Uh, I really appreciate the the introduction. That was very kind of you, Pastor Kurt, and I appreciate your uh, receiving of me. But can we take about six seconds to just give some love and adoration to Jesus, the Redeemer of all? Come on, y'all. You make more noise than that for the Cowboys. Come on, church. Jay! Woo! Um, man, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, there's a lot of places that, you know, I'm invited to and... Uh, you know, it's great. It's fun. I enjoy doing what I do, but there's nothing like being with family. And uh, I have been in relationship with your pastors for, I mean, before I even had children. I mean, it's been years and years and they uh, have, have grown to become some very strong voices in my life. And uh, before I say another word, can we just take one minute to just show some love and appreciation to the pastors of this house? Come on, church. Come on. And then, of course, uh, my, my dear friend, Pastor Kurt, and his lovely wife, Megan, who has a bun in the oven. Come on, somebody. Come on. I love, I love those guys. I love, we, um, man, yesterday I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning to catch the flight, to catch the flight to catch the other flight to get here. And I mean, I was just beat after last night's service, but we stayed up till what? Like, I mean, really late next door, just talking and goofing off. And that, that's what family does. And uh, so it's an honor to be here. I do have to ask, how many of you, it's, it's your first time us being together. Like you, you weren't here any of the other times I was there. It's okay, just, just wave at me. You're thinking to yourself, I have no idea who this strange black man is in those skinny pants. I don't know what's going on here. Well, um, my name's Curvin, and uh, I, I, I've been in Dallas for the past decade of my life. I grew up in North Carolina, but um, I've been in Dallas for quite a while, and my family just relocated to Lafayette, Louisiana. And um, we've been there since the beginning of the summer. We love it there. I'm on staff at an amazing church, Crossroads Church. Um, my pastor, Jeff Abel, sends his love and his blessings to this house and to every member of this church, to this community as well. And uh, it is my privilege and my honor to be here today. Um, real quick, before I dive into this thing, after the service, there's a table set up right here in the front. And uh, you can go there and purchase some items. Um, you know, maybe you're a grandmama and you like rap music. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, you know, my grandmama, she, she actually hates rap music. Um, she calls it hippity hop. That's what she calls it. And my grandma, she, my, my, my grandma says, she says, now baby, you know, I don't really like that, that old hippity hop. But as long as you're talking about Jesus, then it's okay with grandma. It's okay with grandma. And so, um, anyways, you can stop out there. I'm going to share a little bit with you later about a uh, specific item at my table. We'll talk, uh, touch on that later. But uh, right now, I just want to get into the word. Are you guys excited about the word? Anybody? I love the word. I don't know about you. Uh, in fact, if you have your Bible, do me a favor. Just grab your Bible. I want you to put it in the air and wave it like you just do care. Come on, church. Or maybe you have an iPad or an iPhone. If you have an Android, we're going to pray for you later. We're going to believe God for deliverance. There is a better way. There's a better way. And... Um, you know what? I think I'm going to skip, the, skip this intro video, Megan. I, I just want to just get right to it this morning. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. And uh, for some of you who don't know me, which a lot of you don't, um, I grew up in this small town in North Carolina. I mean, back in the country. It's a little black church with this little fiery white preacher. He's about 70 years old. His name was Pastor Hubert D. Bays. And let me tell you something. This little dude could preach the paint off the wall and the carpet up off the floor. I mean, he was a fireball. In the church I grew up in, I mean, the, the, the congregation, they took an active part in the sermon. You know, they would talk back. So today, uh, going back to my roots, I want you to know that I am a hollerback preacher. Now, some of the older folk may not know what that means, so let me explain. That means that it is absolutely okay to talk back to me. If you hear something that resonates in your spirit, you may want to say amen. amen. Right? You, you, you might want to say preach. You may want to say, say that. And all the above are okay. Listen, the more you give me, the quicker we're going to get this thing done, and we're going to beat all the Baptists to the buffet. Come on, church. If you like that, say amen in this place. I'm hungry. Some fried chicken in my life. Come on now. You know how we get down. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, verse 14. If you got it, say, I got it. All right, check it out. The word of the Lord says this, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Somebody say the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. Can you see it? It's like a movie. It's just intense. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen? Amen. Um, Church, for the next... 32 minutes and maybe 16 and a half seconds. I want to speak to you from the subject, death to chains, death to chains. Can we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. And we're just so grateful to be called sons and daughters. We thank, we thank you that you entrust us enough with this glorious gospel. And I just pray today, God, that our hearts would be moved by the things that move your heart. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. And all I need is five spirit-filled, crazy, in love with Jesus people to say amen and amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if you woke up this morning and happened to check your Facebook, but there is a memo that went out to the church this morning. The memo was simply this. Uh, it was a question. And I want to propose this question to you today as well. Uh, do you realize that you serve a big God? 
Y'all are kind of quiet this morning, so I'm going to ask the question one more again. <laughs> I said, do you realize that you serve a very big God? I'm talking about a God with so many facets to his character. In fact, we see in a revelation that the angels for eternity sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I can't help but wonder, like, how could they say that for eternity? I mean, eternity is a long time. Some of you can barely make it through one sermon when Pastor Rusty's preaching. So how in the world could the angels see so much worth in this king to say holy, holy for all eternity. But I believe it's because just when they think they've seen every facet of his character, I just imagine God just turning and showing another side of his beauty and magnificence. And the angels are then thrown back to their faces saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, I'm talking today about a God who's holy, but yet he's approachable. I'm talking about a God who is righteous and set apart in all of his ways, and yet he's still gracious and merciful. Do you hear me, church? I'm talking about a God who desires obedience, and yet he is very patient and long-suffering with a stubborn, obstinate people. Please don't elbow your spouse. Don't do that. But today, I want to speak to you on behalf of a part of God's heart that we don't really hear mentioned too often. I want to speak to you today about the part of his heart that beats and longs for justice. Someone tap your neighbor and say justice. Come on, that neighbor was kind of stuck up. Tap your other neighbor. Come on, say justice. Wake him up, justice. (laughs) Listen, guys, it is the essence of God's heart. It's who he is. It's, It's the part of his heart that desires for the wrong to be made right. It's his desire for the broken to be made whole. It's the reason Jesus gave his life for the lost to be found, for those in captivity to be set free. How many of you know this morning that justice is on the forefront of God's heart? And I believe this morning that if you and I call ourselves sons and daughters of the living God, how many of you know that it's important that our hearts beat in sync with our fathers? We should also desire justice but can I get any y'all's Kool-Aid just for a minute please can I get all in your Kool-Aid let's just be honest we love the Lord but sometimes even as Christians we can get so offended by things that don't even matter is there anyone in here that'll say amen you love the Lord I get it you eat manna for breakfast you walk on your bath water I get it but sometimes we get offended over things that don't even matter Like, you know, oh, your spouse puts the toilet paper on backwards. Really? I'm offended. Oh, how many times have you been driving home from work? You've been working all day. You're driving home from work. You're hungry. You're tired. You got your Jesus music on. You got your worship on. You're just talking to the Lord. You're having a sweet time of prayer. You're speaking in more tongues than the United Nations. It's just you and Jesus, baby. Then all of a sudden, you look in your rearview mirror, and you see this little 17-year-old kid driving 25 miles over the speed limit. Pulls up right beside you. Instead of utilizing their blinker, they just skirt, cut you off. You almost go flying off the highway. Now listen, that little Jesus time you were just having, it's now out the window. Now you're talking in tongues that we don't need an interpretation for. No, 
No, what's the first thing we want to do? Just, ah! I am offended. You know, even my child, my daughter is five years old. In fact, I have a picture of my family. I want you to see the Brewington crew. Bam, there they go. That's my wife, Candace, who's eight months pregnant right now, by the way. Um, she just won't stop. I don't know what her deal is. Um, that, yeah, but that, that's the crew. That's my, my Latin lover, my two Mexi melts right there. And, and now my, my daughter, she loves the Lord with all her heart. I mean, she's so precious, very sensitive to the things of God. Um, you know, I walked into a room one time, and, you know, she has her little Queen Elsa dress on from Frozen. Parents, you know Frozen. And, and she's just spinning around with her little dolls, and she's like, Lord, I love you. All the bitterness and anger, I let it go. I do, I just let it go. All of it. And I'm like, that's so sweet. I go in my son's room to see what he's up to. Maybe he's having some quiet time with Jesus. But no, not him. His name is Legend, and y'all got to pray for Legend, okay? He ain't met Jesus yet. I go in his room. He has two of her Barbie dolls, both of their heads ripped off. He's starch naked, just running around like a maniac. Just, Aah! I'm like, babe, what are you teaching my children while I'm gone? But my daughter, she walks up to my wife and she says, Mom, I have a question. My wife said, go figure, what? She says, I just have to know, do you love Legend, her brother? And my wife says, baby, of course I love Legend. Like, why would you even ask a question like that? My daughter says, well, because sometimes he acts ugly to you and I don't think you should love him anymore. My wife's like, okay, Mother Teresa. <laughs> my wife kneels down eye to eye with my daughter, and she, she says, baby, listen, your brother is three years old, and let's just be honest. Yes, sometimes he's going to be ugly to mommy. Sometimes he's not going to listen. Sometimes he's going to be disobedient and kind of rude and demanding, but the truth is he's still my son, and I love him with all my heart. There's nothing he could ever do to change my love for him. Church, let me tell you something. I'm in the back of the room crying and weeping. I got saved all over again. I'm ready to put a check in the offering plate. I mean, this was a beautiful moment. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, oh, my word. My daughter at five years of age is about to get this revelation of God's grace and love that some people never experienced for years. Do it, Jesus. Do it. Do it. My wife's, she, she finishes her, her whole spill. This was my daughter's response. Well, I still don't like them. I want to sell them on eBay. <laughs> eBay, really? <laughs> and we laughed. But then it was like a light bulb just went off in my head. And I realized that my daughter, at five years of age, saw injustice and desired for it to be made right. Church, do you hear me today? Amen. At five years of age, she saw that her brother was treating his mother wrong and in her innocent mind, figured it'd be best to sell him on eBay. <laughs> and I realized in this moment that it doesn't matter your age, regardless of your gender, Regardless of your social upbringing, regardless of your social class, we all have been made in the image of God. And if God's heart 
beats and longs for justice. How many of you know that a desire and a longing for justice has literally been ingrained upon the heart and the DNA of humanity? Because even an atheist, a self-proclaimed atheist, the fact that, that even with their twisted and contorted view of morality, they know at the end of the day that right is right and what? And that wrong is wrong. You see, and I'm here today to simply remind the beautiful people of Tulia Fellowship that here on this planet and around this country and even in this great state of Texas, there are millions of people who are hurting, who are broken, who are abused and neglected, and they're crying out for justice. But here's the problem. Oftentimes the church we're not close enough to hear their cry. You see, three years ago, I heard about this issue of human trafficking. How many of you, just wave at me if you've heard about this issue of human trafficking. Well, for those of you who may not know, the United Nations has estimated that there's a 27 million, 27 million people right now living in slavery around the world. Did you hear that number? 27 million. Let me break that down for you. That means that there are more slaves alive on the planet right now than at any point in recorded history. The statistics then go on to say that the average age of the trafficking victim is not 18, not 17, not even 15, but 12 years old. Which means that there are babies as young as five and six years old right now who are being forced to do things that no human could ever endure. And I know there are children in here, so I won't go much further than that. You can use your imagination if it would go to that deep chasm of wickedness. And I look on TV and I look on various media outlets and I hear stories about, you know, Angelina Jolie and Bono from U2 and Ellen DeGeneres and all these other celebrities and icons who give time and energy and not just money, but just attention to this issue as well as other social injustices. And you know what, church? I think that's great. I give them a high five and I salute them. But as I read in scripture, God's heart for humanity, I cannot help but wonder deep down, when in the world is the church going to begin rising up and taking upon our shoulders the burden for the broken that we were created to carry out in this earth? You see, I believe, I believe the reason why our focus so easily gets thrown off of the center is because we oftentimes forget the mandate of Jesus. We forget sometimes what the gospel is really about. You see, we've become so caught up <coughs> in building this event-driven uh, Christian celebrity hosting Christian self-help, New York Times, best-selling author, uh, religious establishment that judges and condemns the outsiders all while pacifying and pampering the insiders that we totally forget why we even exist in the earth. Not just to have the nicest or largest church in the city, not just to attend a Sunday morning service, but to be light in a dark and dying world. Come on, church, who am I talking to today? We forget that we're called to bring hope to those who don't have any. 
Our mandate is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. My friends, we can continue building our buildings and doing our song and our dance. We can run our social, social events and do our programs. All that stuff is okay. But you better hear me, my friends. The moment that we begin overlooking broken people, then we've totally missed the heart of God. Do you hear me this morning? Totally missed it. You know, my daughter, she really is a character. One day y'all are going to get to meet her, and you're going to be like, yes, I get it. <laughs> um, a few months ago, we put our kids down to bed, and I know there's a lot of children. Mom and dad, you know when you're raising small children that there's not a lot of adult conversation that goes on in the house while they're awake. I mean, like, if you were to come sit in my house for just 24 hours, here's what most of the conversation would sound like. Hey! Stop! Put your brother down! Get out! Get out there! Go outside and play! Stop! You're too loud! Go somewhere be quiet and sit down. Y'all too quiet. What y'all doing in there? <laughs> what do you want from me? So, so, so whenever you put the children down, Miss Vicky, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great time. Because me and my wife can then put on our adult hats and have adult conversation, right? So we put our kids down to bed a few months ago, and um, we're watching one of our favorite shows. And on the baby monitor, we hear our daughter, Lyric, she you know, calls out, Mommy! And my wife said, what, Lyric? She says, Mommy, I'm really thirsty. My daughter sings everything. I don't know what Disney has done to her, but she just sings everything for whatever reason. I'm really thirsty. Can I have some water, please? And my wife's like, baby, no, you've had a few accidents this week. I think you're okay. Go to bed, sweetheart. And she's like, okay, bye. So about an hour goes by. We're still watching, you know, our show. And again, just like before, my daughter comes over the monitor. Mommy. Now, my wife jumps up a little more agitated this time. See, my wife's Latina, okay? So she has a little, a little spice. So she jumps up. Mia! <laughs> it's late. What do you want? Why are you still up? Mommy, I'm really thirsty. Please, I'm, I'm dying. of th- I'm parched. My wife's like, you're not parched. You don't even know what that word means. Go to sleep. You're okay. So an hour and a half goes by, people. Listen, the TV is now off. My wife and I are in bed. I have a flight to catch in the morning. I mean, at like 6 or something, like super early, okay? I'm, I'm right there on the brink of that. There's a difference between sleep and good sleep. Y'all know that good sleep, right? I mean, I'm right there. I'm right there. Then on the monitor, what do you think we hear? No, 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 not mommy. No, no, it was, it was more like, Daddy. And someone said, oh, no, it ain't no all. It's 1.30 in the morning. So I jump out of the bed. I run to the bottom of the stairs. I said, Lyric, it's late. We're tired. Daddy has to go to work in the morning. Listen, if you don't lay down and go to sleep, I'm going to come upstairs with the pop-pop, and it's going to be night-night. Her response, well, Daddy, when you come upstairs, can you please bring me a glass of water? I'm like, baby, you missed it. You missed the whole point. You missed it. <laughs> but you know what, my friends? Sometimes you and I are a lot like my five-year-old daughter. Sometimes we also 
miss the point. You see, we can become so busy doing the work of the Lord that we totally forget about the Lord of the work. We can be so focused on, 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 on rules and regulations, traditions and our stipulations that we totally forget about the essence of the gospel. But I love the passage in Luke chapter 10. It's the story where the Pharisees and the leaders of that day, they kind of ambushed Jesus and they asked him a question. They said, if you so bad, they didn't really say that, but in my mind, that's how I read the Bible. I just imagine it like that. If you so bad, then why don't you tell us what's the greatest in all the law? To be honest, it was a question that couldn't really be answered. It's one of those lose-lose situations. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus didn't call a timeout, go put on a three-piece suit, and then come back with his iPad 3 with a three-point PowerPoint message breaking down some deep theological truths. No, his response was very simple. He looked in their eye and said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. With all your soul, and you love your neighbor. Look at the person beside you. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) You love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, we want to tell people that if you want to be a part of our little social club that we call church, you got to look a certain way, dress a certain way. You got to fit into our little container of how we do things. Listen, man will tell you that Jesus gave his life to create a religion. But let me tell you, church, there's a whole lot of religions that you can be a part of. But that is not why Jesus came. He came to this earth and gave his life to bridge the gap between a holy God and a broken people. You see, that is the essence of the gospel. Yet we get so far from the raw reality of what this thing is about. And here's what's sad. You want to know what's really sad? Is that as you look through church history from today going all the way back, we find that this dilemma that we're in right now, the 21st century American church, it's nothing new. There have been countless times where the people of God would be so busy doing all the stuff, but yet have a heart far from God. But how many of you know that any time we get off balance, how many of you know God will always raise up a standard? God will always bring a reminder. He will always reintroduce us to ourselves and to his heart. And I find a season in scripture where the nation of Judah had grown so wicked and lost regard for all things relating to their father and yet going through all the motions. So God did what God always does. He raised up a standard. This standard was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. If you don't know who Isaiah is, he's a very crazy, wild man. You need to read Isaiah. But here's the word that the Lord gave Isaiah to give to his people. I believe it's applicable to us today. I want to share it with you. Do you want to hear it? Listen, it may hurt a little bit, though. Are you sure? This ain't no fluffy, Please the Lord. No. Do you want to hear this word? (laughs) Isaiah chapter 1, starting at verse 13 from the message translation. God says this. I want you to quit your worship charades. Ouch. I cannot stand your trivial religious games. You have monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. You have meetings for this and for that, and I hate them. 
You have worn me out. I am so sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. Somebody say, ouch. So when you put on your next prayer performance, I will be looking the other way. No matter how long or how loud or how often you pray, I will not be listening. And do you know why? It's because you've been tearing people to pieces. And another translation says, and their blood is on your hands. Wow. How many of you know that is a very hard rebuke? But I believe that in this next passage I'm going to share with you, after the hard rebuke, God then opens up his heart and reveals to his body the true mandate that we're called to walk in. It's very simple. It's not that difficult. He says then to go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doing so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to what is wrong. Learn to do what is good. Work for justice. Come on, church. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless and go to bat for the defenseless. This is what the gospel looks like, my friends. Listen, our conferences, our gatherings, uh, these best-selling Christian self-help books, these rappers that come in with their CDs and shirts and stuff. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with this stuff in and of itself. Because watch me, they edify the body. They instruct and they teach and equip us to bring impact to the world we live in. But if you hear nothing I say today, hear this. That none of this stuff was never meant to be a substitute for the missional mandate that Jesus gave his life for. He didn't come for a program, for a building with four walls. No. No, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to the captives, and to be hope to the hopeless. Innocence, birthed in the beauty of blamelessness, a childlike faith and curiosity, believing the best in humanity, identified, described as an image of purity, the beauty of this rare thing found in society, innocence, pictured or personified in imagery, captivated by what possesses simplicity, joy found in the littlest of things, like running barefoot in freshly clean-cut grass on a perfect day in spring. The adventure that awaits in what each day may bring. Loving life and the pleasure of discovering something new. The sight of what a far-off cloud looks like against a beautiful shade of sky blue. Life is satisfying. Time lost in the imagination of pretending to be a famous star or a superhero, powerful, unstoppable. In all my dreams, they all applaud with friends and family. Yeah, that all sounds perfect to me. I believe someday that will be my destiny. I imagine that to be the life waiting for me, my happily ever after. She's 13 and only dreams and nightmares. With black and white, there's no color or light there. 
Yeah, no hope, no hugs, no kisses, no love, cause life don't fight fair. Yeah, if you listen real close, then you might hear a faint cry drifting through the night's air. Longing for the morning, only to find the nightmare she fights every night, still right there. The blood and the blows from the fist, the cold of the drugs as they're forced in a system. Forced to perform for a forum of men, she's learned if she lies still, the pain's not as intensive. But a princess has gone missing. Just a small child hurting and defenseless But she knows that the beauty of a rose It springs forth from the dirt So through the hurt she whispers Who 
are living in bondage and captivity, Lord. Father, would you let mercy rain down upon this earth? Lord, would you move your body to desire justice for the broken God? Lord, we ask that you would bring death to the chains of slavery forever. Amen and amen. years ago there was a missionary team that stormed into Moldova a small nation in Eastern Europe and they rescued about 17 young girls from a brothel the youngest of these girls was about 8 years old and there was one young lady we'll call her Maria she sat in a chair with this blank stone face, no tears, no smile, no emotion at all. And the missionary worker walked over to Maria and knelt down in front of her and grabbed her hand. She said, baby, you know you can smile now. You're free. The nightmare that you've been living in for so long, it's over. Maria, you have your whole life ahead of you don't you know that Jesus loves you and as the missionary said that statement or asked that question rather one tear went down Maria's cheek as she looked this missionary in the face and said this well if it's true that your Jesus loves me so much then why didn't he send you sooner friends, I I just can't help but wonder today, how long are we going to allow the broken to ask us that same question? And I want to be clear this morning on one very important thing. This whole project is something that God has put on my heart. The human trafficking thing is something that God has called me and my wife to for this season. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to go into a third world country to find broken people. Do you hear me, church? There are broken people all around us. There are broken people at your job. Broken people at your school. (laughs) There are broken people sitting in some of these seats today right now. See, I'm talking about the young lady that's going to serve you today whenever you eat lunch with your family after church. She's a single mom raising three children on her own. And she's forced to work the worst shift of the week, waiting tables, which is Sunday afternoon. How do I know? Because I used to wait tables for many years. And Christian people, church folk, we just don't tip well. Well, let me tell you the last thing this young lady needs 
is a group of church folks sitting down at her table being impatient and demanding things and totally acting like she's oblivious only to leave her $2.33 with a God bless you on, written on the receipt. Where is the church that will walk into a setting like that and view it as a mission field? Where are the people who will grab her hand and say, baby, God has not forgotten about you. Those babies are going to be okay. Can I pray with you about anything? Is there something I can do for you right now to help you out? And then leave the good tip on top of all that. Well, I'm talking about the young man that's going to bag your groceries this week. While we're on our phones and moving about our agenda and our schedules, if you would just take one moment to look at his arm, you'll see cuts and bruises on his forearm where he's mutilating his own flesh because mom and dad are in the middle of a nasty divorce. And as they fight over the assets and the cars and the homes and the bank accounts, he's somehow falling between the cracks. For all you know, he just may be contemplating suicide that very night. What about that 16-year-old kid with his pants hanging down past his behind? With his filthy mouth and his lack of respect, his vulgar attitude, with his loud, disgusting music playing? Let me tell you something, my friends. That kid... It used to be me. It used to be me. I got high for the first time when I was 12 years old. I began popping prescription pills when I was 13. Arrested and locked up for the first time when I was 15. By the time I was a senior in high school, I'd been kicked out of school five different times. I'd been locked up in jail for an accumulated amount of time that equaled up to a year and a half. When I was 17 years old, my friends were planning their careers and what universities they were going to attend. And I was 17 on house arrest, facing 10 years in prison for armed robbery and second degree kidnapping, wasting away at 105 pounds, addicted to cocaine and experimenting with crack cocaine. You see, I know what broken looks like and I know what it feels like because that was me. But you know what? I'm so thankful that I serve a God who has a thing for broken people. Because there was a young lady that would come visit me when I was in jail. And she would sit on the other side of that glass. And she would look me in my eye and it felt like she was gazing into my soul. And I expected her to say everything that everyone else said. Curvin, what are you doing with your life? Why can't you get it together? You're an idiot. You have good parents. What's wrong with you? But you know what she would say? She would sit down and smile at me. And she'd say, you're a man of God. I would say, no, I'm not. I'm a junkie. She'd say, no, you're beautiful. And God has a plan for your life. You will live. You will not die. 
You will preach the gospel to thousands of people and lives will be changed by you and the power of God working through you. Well, that same young lady has now been my wife for 10 years. But here's what I ask you tonight, my friends. What if, just what if, she was too busy doing her Christian stuff to take time to visit me every week in that jail? What if she listened to her youth pastor and the other Christian folks in her life who told her, stay away from Kervin. He's worthless. He's a lost cause. You see, she took time to love the broken. And it's because of her love that I'm here today. Paul said this as I close. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And I don't know how well studied you may be with the various churches. But the church in Corinth was very, very messed up. They had a lot of drama going on, a lot of brokenness, a lot of craziness. But here's what Paul said in this letter. Please don't miss this today. Paul said this. You found the passage here. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Paul says, my greatest fear out of everything that you guys are doing wrong. He said, my greatest fear is that in the same way the serpent or the snake tricked Eve in the garden, I also fear that he will rob you from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. We've made this glorious gospel all about a set of rules, do's and don'ts. Listen, there is a standard, but how many of you know we could never reach that standard on our best day? Okay, listen be clear there is a standard but us trying to reach that standard is not what this thing is about you will never be good enough and that's the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel that God so loved a broken world full of broken jacked up people maybe not you but definitely me he loved this broken world so much that he gave his only son his only son that whosoever would place their faith in Jesus they will not perish they will live and my friends I say this with the most love and grace that my poor wretched heart can conjure up shame on us on me on you to receive such a powerful love and yet be too busy to reciprocate it to a broken world. Especially when you have pastors who have a heart for the broken, who have a heart to reach the lost. Amen. If you would just bow your heads, we're gonna pray. I've gone over my time by eight minutes. I thank you for not leaving. My question is this today. You may be one of those broken people that I mentioned. You may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You could be in church every Sunday and know of God and not really know him. When I was a teenager, I was in church. 
multiple times a week, but I knew God then about as much as I know Oprah Winfrey now. Just knowing of God is not enough. He wants to be the Lord, the Savior, and the master of your life. So I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you just to lift your hand if that's you. If you would just say, you know what? I realize that I'm a broken man. I'm a broken woman. I need, I need a Savior. And I'm ready to surrender. If that's you, at the count of three, lift your hand. One. You may not get this opportunity again. God forbid, my friend. You may not make it home this afternoon. You could have a tragic accident take place. Again, God forbid. But in an instant, you could be snatched away into eternity. And you will stand before God, my brother, my sister, and you will have to give an account of the life you've lived. You can be ready, though. Two, the ground at the cross is even. I don't care if you're from the suburbs, the rural area, the hood. I don't care if your daddy's in the home or not. I don't care what you've been through, 13 years old or 63. The ground is even at the cross. We all need a Savior. He's calling your heart today. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. God bless you, little man. I love you. God bless you, sir. You can put your hands down now. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask everyone just to stand to your feet really quick, if you will. And if you raised your hand today, I want you to repeat this prayer. Everyone's going to pray it together. But if you raised your hand, I want you just to, man, speak this thing from the depth of your soul. And your life will never be the same. Come on, everyone, open up your mouth. Say, Jesus, you know who I am. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. I've broken your heart. But today, I choose you. I know you're the son of God. I know you died for me. I know you rose from the dead. And one day you're going to take me home. So would you forgive me of my sin? Heal my heart. Change my mind. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to stay broken. I want to be whole. I want to be used by you. Thank you for your goodness, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you take your seats, God bless that sweet baby girl. Before you take a seat, uh, I'm going to give you this information. Pastor Kurt, you can go ahead and come on up if you want. Before you uh, guys leave today, this sermon, this message, this video, this song, it's all a part of a campaign that my wife and I started two years ago to fight this injustice using music and art. I don't have time to get into the nuts and bolts of it. But right now, uh, at my college that I'm on staff with, we're working to create a larger-than-life production. It'll be an album that tells the story of a girl who's thrown into uh, human slavery. And along with that album, is going to be a short film. You saw some of the film in this last song. Uh, when we do this tour next year, we'll have a live band, people dancing and acting. It'll be a huge over-the-top production. But watch this. 75% of all the money from the album and the money we raise on the tour, it's not going to my ministry. 
it's going to a ministry called CTI, which has safe homes in Romania. I'm going to visit it in March, actually. And we want to expand and build more safe homes to rescue the girls off the street, to give them a place to lay their head, to feed them, to show them the love of God, to rehabilitate them. Come on, somebody in this place. It's about the broken. Do you hear me? So this thing is bigger than me and it's bigger than anything I could ever conjure. But uh, we need your help. Um, So what you can do, um, I believe in a second you're going to have an, an opportunity to sow seed into my family, into my life and our ministry, um, which we are so grateful for. But apart from that, if you go to my table and buy this CD, um, this goes to the campaign. Does that make sense? I want to be clear. So here's how we're going to do it. This CD, you pay what you want for it. Because how many of you know you can't put a price tag on a human life? So if God's moved your heart by this message, by this cause, by this issue, you can go to the table, buy the CD, and you let them know what you want to sow for the CD, okay? And, um, and everything that comes in through this goes to the campaign. It's going to cost us about $40,000, $60,000 to pull it off. We've already raised about 20000 praise God. And um, yeah, and so uh, just, if you would just partner with us in that way, that would mean the world. Amen. Did y'all have a good time this morning? I know it's kind of heavy stuff, but man, I believe that we are the church for a reason. Light exists to dispel darkness. And so my prayer for you as, as I hop on this plane here in a few hours is that as you step into every arena, work, school, business, a restaurant, that you would view it as a mission field that you would look for people who were broken, that God would give you prophetic unctionings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge to sow seeds of life into dead places. Amen. Do you want that? Do you want that for this city, for this community? Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Kurt. I love you guys very much. Bless you. Amen. Y'all give him a hand clap as you take your seat.